In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins, for the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. In this time of prayer with you, Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ, in these special days right before Christmas, when we'll contemplate your birth, your entrance into this world in Bethlehem, we can put ourselves in a scene that is alluded to in the gospel, but not many details are given. And this is the trip that Mary and Joseph took to Bethlehem from Nazareth. It was about a four or five day trip in those days. They most likely walked and they probably traveled along the Jordan River Valley. They cut through Samaria and traveled down the border between Samaria and Galilee. And there was desert on either side, but on the banks of the river, in that, in that river valley that they traveled through, there was foliage. There were trees that provided some shade, some shelter. Most likely they were traveling in a group. The census caused many northern families to, to head south, and many families from the, the south head north to go to the town of their ancestors. And we could put ourselves in the scene and imagine that it's morning on day two or three of their journey to Bethlehem. And we could see Joseph wake up in the morning. And he's a little bit more nervous than Our Lady about the whole situation, although she too has her natural fears and anxieties. And so Joseph wakes up a little bit earlier than Our Lady. He's a little less holy than she is. He has a little less trust in God. And so it's harder for him to keep sleeping in the morning. And the first thing he does is moves a little bit closer to the woman's side of the caravan where Our Lady was sleeping. He gets to a spot where he could see her better. And he looks at her with love and with compassion. And through his grogginess, through that natural tiredness in the morning, a desire to protect her and to protect her child wells up in his heart. And then the wheels start turning in his head. And once again, he tries to come to grips with this great mystery. An impending virgin birth. Visitations by angels. Conceived by the Holy Spirit. Called the Son of God. And perhaps at times like us, when we wake up in the morning, all the 
spiritual gains, all the insights, all the resolve of the day before is gone. And he feels helpless. He feels, he feels above his pay grade. He feels outmatched by this divine commission to take care of her, to provide and take care of the child. But then he makes an act of faith, an act of hope in God's help. He knows that God is with him. His name, Joseph, means God will add or God will provide. Perhaps also there happens to Joseph something that happens to us when there's a big event in our life that changes everything. Whether it's something good or something bad or difficult. Sometimes we wake up in the morning and we wonder if it was all a dream. We wonder if everything has gone back to the way it was before. We forget for a few seconds that this event or this change has happened. And then it comes crashing back in on us and we realize, oh no, it wasn't. It wasn't a dream. That really happened. Or this thing is really happening. Maybe this happened to us last spring when the effects of the coronavirus were settling in and we realized that we were in a lockdown. Perhaps one morning we woke up and thought, oh, I have to go to work today and do all those ordinary things. And then we realized once again that everything had changed. Well, maybe this happened to Joseph when, when he woke up on that trip. That for a second, he had forgotten about God's intervention, about God's plans, and he thought everything was back to normal. And then he realized, no, I'm on this divine adventure. God is intervening in my life. God has intervened in my life. And he asked God for help to be, to be up for it. So he sits there and watches Our Lady with a desire to protect her, to serve her, to help her. Eventually, our Blessed Mother, Mary, wakes up too. And instinctively, she checks in on our Lord Jesus in her womb. She places her hand gently on her stomach. Perhaps she whispers to him that she loves him, certainly, in her heart. She's told him many times that she loves him. And perhaps this morning she tells him in a special way she can't wait to see him, to hold him, to care for him, to nurse him. And she calls him tenderly by his name, the name given by the angel, Jesus. And perhaps she whispers it to him, Jesus, Yeshua. And she, like us, wonders at the meaning of his name, Jesus, God saves. You will call him Jesus, the angel told her, for God will save his people. Jesus, Mary whispers, I love you, my son. And perhaps Our Lady is struck by a holy impatience. Why do I have to wait so long to see you? 
Maybe she even asks him and asks God, Be born soon, my son, be born in Bethlehem. Be born in David's town. That would probably be a hassle and it won't be easy. But I don't care. Joseph is so resourceful. God is with us. We'll find a way. God provides. God adds. And the more she thinks about it, perhaps the more she wants it to happen. Wouldn't that be fitting? He is David's descendant after all. He is the Messiah that David spoke of. David called him his Lord. And then perhaps she even thinks, I don't want to walk all the way back to Nazareth, still expecting. Come soon, my child. Maranatha Yeshua. Come, Lord Jesus. And perhaps she feels in her heart a certain assurance, a certain sense that her prayer will be answered. I am coming soon. I will soon be with you. Maybe she knew somehow that it would happen in Bethlehem. Maybe she knew from reading scripture that it it was supposed to happen this way. And she couldn't wait to get there to be ready. Certainly Our Lady was prepared. The Bible tells us, Lord, that when you're born, she wrapped you in those swaddling clothes. And so she had the swaddling clothes with her. Perhaps we can even imagine her mother, St. Anne, packing those away in Our Lady's belongings, getting ready for the trip. And Our Lady thanking her mother for that, for that detail, that kind gesture of having the material necessary ready in case our Lord is born. Soon our lady looks over and notices Joseph close by. There he is, her strong helper, her partner, her husband. He's looking over her, perhaps by this point he's nodding off a little bit since he's been up for some time already. Then he sees that she's looking at him and and they smile at each other. They smile warmly at each other. And perhaps there's a little bit of a of a laugh between them and a, a look in their eyes and a, and a little bit of a roll of the eyes. Signifying, well, here we are together another day in this crazy adventure. Let's see what happens today. It's still happening. It wasn't a dream. God has intervened in a way that's beautiful and challenging. It changes everything. And Lord, we want our encounter with you. We want our Christian faith. We want our prayer life. Something that truly and literally changes everything about our life. Let there, Lord, be a true before and after in my life. Marked by my meeting with you. Marked by the discovery of my vocation. That when I came to take you seriously and be your disciple and truly live by your teachings and to trust you and hope in you and love you and believe you, everything changed. They smile at each other, they come together, and we can imagine 
Lord, that your parents prayed together in the morning, that they had a habit of prayer. And perhaps they prayed Psalm 121, which is a psalm pleading for God's protection, reminding God even of his role as protector. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where will my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time and forevermore. And in this way they asked Yahweh, this God, the creator of heaven and earth, this God who had intervened in such a beautiful way, in such a striking way in their life, was changing everything, the whole world, the whole plan of history, through them, through these ordinary people. They asked that God, Yahweh, He who is, for His protection for the coming day. And then maybe while in prayer, Lord, they both fall into silence. Both of them naturally focused on the presence of the child. The presence of God with them, Emmanuel. Struck by the fact that the same God was there in her, in the unborn child. The same God who they prayed to, pray to for protection. The same God who liberated Moses from slavery of Egypt. The same God who gave them the law and the prophets. The same God, the Lord of heaven and earth, was right there in his mother's womb. And in silence, they let that presence of God, break through all of their practical concerns, all of their worries, all of their uncertainty, all of their tiredness in the morning, connecting with his presence, resting in his presence. During those moments, it all melted away. And they just had the sense, he's here, Prince of Peace, Mighty God. Everlasting Father. And his name is Jesus. God saves. Before St. Paul ever talked about it, perhaps, Lord, they felt in your presence what St. Paul called the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. The peace of Christ. Perhaps, Lord, also they felt and experienced the truth that that you would later proclaim. They experienced the truth of your preaching. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. They could sense, Lord, how peaceful you were, how much rest for their souls they would find in you. And they could sense it precisely by our Lord's hiddenness, by his silence. He was transmitting to them how peaceful God is. And Lord, your presence in Our Lady's womb, that silent presence, reminds us of your presence in the tabernacle. You're in both places in a permanent way. You're permanently hidden. You're permanently present and loving. You're permanently peaceful. You're permanently silent. St. Josemaria liked to say that the tabernacle should be for our Lord like another Bethany. A place of rest, a place of peace, but also a place where he's accompanied, a place where he's welcomed. Our Lord went to Bethany because... People loved him there, and they took care of him there. He received the friendship and the attention of Martha, Mary, her sister, and of Lazarus, their brother, his good friend. And so our Lord, in, in the tabernacle in our parish, or the closest chapel to us, is in Bethany. He should feel like he's in Bethany, because we go there, and we welcome him, and we pay attention to him and we express our desire to serve him and like Mary we sit at his feet and contemplate him and listen to his words one of the shortest points in the way is a point in which Saint Josemaria writes Jesus I rest in you Jesus I rest in you and so if if the tabernacle, if our prayer life is Bethany for our Lord, it should also be Bethany for us. A place of rest, of peace, a place to be with our Lord. And these, up, these upcoming days of Christmas, maybe we can try to do this in our prayer. To rest in God. To be aware, right, not to let ourselves get lost in a kind of holiday frenzy of business to let myself get lost in a bad overindulgence in holiday goodies or presents or materialism. To let myself be kind of fooled by a fake holiday excitement. But rather to let myself be closer to God. To let myself go in him, in these scenes, to accompany Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem, to see what must have been their disappointment, their momentary frustration at the fact that the, that the inn was closed, there was no room for them in Bethlehem. There was no room for them in the end. 
And then they realize God will add, God provides, and they and they keep going. They have to do their part. They 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 look for a place and they find that shelter, that cave, that stable. And they make do, they make the best possible place for the birth of our Lord. They know by that time that that our lady is about to deliver. And so these days before Christmas, these days of Christmas that are upcoming, can be days of a greater prayer life. What was it like to be there? What was it like in that stable? What was it like to see Jesus for the first time, to hold him for the first time? To see the miraculous appearance of shepherds who were told to go there by angels. Help us, Lord, to rest in these scenes. Perhaps especially, Lord, to watch you sleep as Joseph watched Our Lady sleep. Mary and Joseph also, like any parents, would watch their newborn child sleep. And be amazed at, at his presence that, that he's here. And to see his little chest rising and falling. And to hear the sound of his breath. And to contemplate slowly his eyes and his little fingers and ears. His little feet, his little toes. Right, as we do with, with newborn children, they're so fascinating. How can toes be that small? Look at those little eyelids and how small his eyelashes are. Look how cute he is, how beautiful the child is. And there's a sense in which we don't want to wake him up. There's a sense in which no matter what we're experiencing we want to let our lord keep sleeping in the manger in our soul there's a spiritual author who offers a beautiful meditation on the sleep of jesus he's talking about jesus sleeping in in the boat but i think it's analogous to watching our lord sleep in in the manger and his point is that when we go through difficulties in life, especially when we feel dryness or what spiritual authors call desolation, when we feel like God is no longer active in our soul or that somehow he's removed his favor from us, well, what, what should we do? What's the response to dryness? What's the response to spiritual trial in which we don't feel as close to God as we did before? And this author, Luis Martinez, who's a beautiful writer, says that in those moments we have to exercise our faith. Our faith that Jesus is still present, but he's sleeping. And the key is not to wake him up by freaking out about our situation, not to wake him up by despair, but to trust him in it, right? To let him keep sleeping and to love him in that way, to love him with our quiet trust and confidence in him in the midst of that trial. This is Luis Martinez. Oh, if one could understand the value of desolation, 
If one could appreciate the austere but exquisite beauty of Jesus when he is sleeping. But suffering souls neither suspect the mystery they guard in their hearts, nor do they have the serenity to contemplate the extraordinary beauty of him who sleeps within them. Just as the apostles, worried by the storm and overcome by fear, did not enjoy the divine spectacle of Jesus asleep in the storm. When Jesus sleeps in a soul, the enraptured angels must contemplate that mystery of fruitfulness and beauty. For desolation has its beauty just as the deep, arid ravines have their beauty, as do the sheer, gigantic cliffs to which only the soaring eagle has access. But how to appreciate that beauty in the night of the soul among the shadows guarding the sleep of Jesus? There is a subtle, penetrating light shining in the darkness. It is the light of faith. And this is so important. It's one of the great insights of the saints and the great spiritual writers, writers, that the light of faith exists in the darkest times of our life because it's a conviction that God is real in spite of all appearances, that God is love and God is caring for us and God has a plan and his will is good and being done in spite of all appearances to the contrary. That is this subtle, penetrating light shining in the darkness. It is the light of faith. When it is living, when it is nourished by love, when it receives from the Holy Spirit an unknown divine penetration, mighty power, it manifests to souls who allow Jesus to sleep, who watch his sleep, and who suffer so he may rest the hidden and mysterious spectacle of Jesus sleeping. A most beautiful contrast of silence, darkness, and sadness. And so the idea here is that if we continue trusting in the midst of our trials, if we continue hoping that God has this plan, that God is working for our good, if we let ourselves be guided by the penetrating light of faith, then there is revealed to our heart what we're doing for Jesus. We're letting him rest. We're letting him sleep. We're co-redeeming with him. O souls enamored of Jesus, offer him your pure and loving hearts so that he may come to rest therein. Permit him to sleep as much as he wants while you silent and tender, watch his mystical slumber. Fear neither the silence nor the darkness that guard the mystery of that sleep. Do not awaken the sweet beloved, because his heart is watching when he sleeps. And the apparent inaction of that repose hides prodigies of productivity that will transform your life. St. Josemaria liked the term, we're growing on the inside when uh, inaction or apparent fruitlessness or inactivity is uh, keeping us from doing the things that we want to do or having the effect that we want to have, he would say, well, with our prayer life, with our faith, we realize that we're growing on the inside in a place that no one could see. The apparent inaction of that repose of Jesus acting in a hidden way, acting while he sleeps, Apparent inaction hides prodigies of productivity that will transform your life. 
Be quiet in the midst of your grief, so he may not awaken, weep in silence, so that your tears may be pearls of love for him. Cover him with your tender caresses, with your timid but ardent kisses. Open your eyes, the illuminated eyes of your heart, to contemplate the hidden beauty of Jesus asleep. One day, a day of rejoicing, of light, of rapture, Jesus will awake, and upon seeing that you have offered him the warm, silent, perfumed couch of your heart, and that you have watched tenderly and solicitously during this slumber of love, he will command the winds and the tempest so that the peace of heaven may reign in you. And in the depth of that most sweet peace, the mystery of love will be realized, happy, and never-ending. And this is a law of the spiritual life. This is a law of life. There are peaks and there are valleys. And in a certain sense in this life, there are no peaks without valleys. This is definitely a law of the spiritual life. There's no resurrection without the cross. There's not only Mount Tabor where we're with Jesus in his glory, where we're reassured of his divinity, of his triumph, but there's also Mount Calvary. And we walk from one to the other in this life. And in the valleys, on the Calvaries, the goodness of God is hidden. The goodness of God lets itself be eclipsed by sin, by suffering. But it's growing on the inside, it's winning on the inside. It's love, it's a deeper trust in God. And so as we contemplate our Lord hidden in our Lady, God hidden in the child, let's bolster our faith. Let's await with joyful hope the coming of Jesus, the waking up of Jesus in our heart, in our world, in our families in our church. Let's not lose faith in the dark times because because if we do, we won't experience the reward for our faithfulness, the reward for our trust. We won't experience the exquisite love, the exquisite joy of suffering for him, suffering with him. Our Lady, our Mother, you who are carrying our Lord in your womb these last days before Christmas, Smile at us like you smiled at your son. Hold us and nourish us as you held and cared for your own son. Our Lady, our Mother, Mother of the Word incarnate, help us to be ready for Christmas. Help us to be ready to welcome your son, our Lord Jesus Christ, into our lives this Christmas. I thank you, my God for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.